1: to the cover three podcast here on cbs sports that's tom Finelli that's danny cannell that's bud elliott i'm chip patterson coming to you live here at youtube.com slash cover three thanks to all of you that are joining us for the taping of this show feel free to jump in the comment section uh, engage with each other let us know questions or thoughts as we go along and please 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 two things number one hit like on that video right now. Also, make sure that you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. Smash the bell and you can get notifications so you know every single time that we go live, every single time that there's a new video. If you are listening to the audio platform, as always, thank you. Uh, You can now give us five stars on Spotify. Please do as much. And mailbag is just starting to grow. So feel free to fill up that mailbag uh, five-star review. In that review, put your mailbag question. You can also always find us on Twitter at Cover3Podcast. Gentlemen, Happy New Year. Um, you know, First time we've all gotten back together since our College Football Playoff Instant Reaction Show on New Year's Eve. We've had some incredible uh, ups and downs in the bowl season as we go into New Year's Day and have one bowl left to get to. Wild circumstances around this LSU Kansas State game. We'll get to that shortly after the break. But uh, how, how are we feeling? I mean, it's, let's say, Danny, did I don't know if you got a chance to chime in on our inst, listen to our instant reaction show, but Alabama Georgia. I mean, what's what's on the top of your mind here on this Monday afternoon?
2: I I'm fingers crossed we get a good championship game, right? I mean, that's that's the overwhelming sentiment for me. After a four, you know, the, the semis were and I didn't think the Cincinnati Bama game was as bad as people made it out to be. I mean, it was clearly it was more entertaining than the Michigan-Georgia beatdown. But, you know, taking a lot of heat. We got people in the chat room, how are you feeling about all SEC? I would take four SEC teams in the playoff, in the four, if it meant we were gonna get great games. Like if Florida State's not in it and I don't have a vested rooting interest, I just want to see great games. I want to see compelling games, and I do think we're gonna get that with Alabama, Georgia. So from that aspect, you know, that's that's kind of the that's kind of my thought after the weekend as it pertained to the playoffs on Friday night. And then bummed out that we got so distracted by you know opt-outs, players' mindset, and who's playing, who's not. And I contributed some of it with the early take on the bowl season, like with the 42 bowls or too many. But we had some awesome <clears throat> games on Saturday that I think outshone the playoffs on Friday night. So like Let's enjoy what we got and what's out there. And I do think Monday night's going to be fun.
3: I mean, it, it's it's the two best teams. It's the two most talented teams. And like I I think it's gonna be a really good game. I mean, it, it, either either Saban's gonna outcoach Kirby Smart again and find ways to get his guys open against one of the most talented defenses that we've ever seen, or Georgia will find a way to get it done. Like this is it's gonna be fun narrative, but probably fun. If you like elite athletes running all over the field, like this is this is the game to watch. These are the studs that we have all seen in these recruiting camps for fi- you know 4 or 5 years now. Like they're now meeting on two teams to play for it all. I, I I'm all about playoff expansion for the health of the sport, but these are the best two teams and I'm I'm glad we have this matchup.
0: I mean, I'm I think it's going to be a good game, but I'd rather it wasn't a game we'd already seen.
1: So is like, does the college football playoff need to be an entertainment product? Like, does it have to provide good games? That's all it
0: is. That's all it is, Chip.
1: But like so, it has to so we have to try to reverse engineer good television. Well,
0: what
2: What I worry is we're becoming the um, bizarro basketball, you know, like we're becoming the opposite of basketball, college basketball, regular season, not very entertaining the tournament is the most entertaining product they have. We're becoming regular season, incredibly entertaining, postseason product. As far as the playoffs, not very entertaining yet. But I don't get, because, and this I guess is the beautiful disaster that's college football and what maybe we all love about it, like you never hear, I guess maybe sometimes in the NBA they thought about you know let's do away with Western Conference, Eastern Conference because you know some of those early uh, one-eight matchups were lopsided. You got four nothing blowouts, you know, sweeps of series. I guess you hear it, but I get I don't really care about that argument. So I guess other sports have had it, but it's just I think it's a it's a run of bad luck. You know, it's bad matchups um you know we've had some good games in the playoffs i mean i was at the rose bowl when georgia oklahoma was incredible i mean that was one of the best games i've seen and it was awesome so you know you play over we're only six seven years into this thing you know which is it's been a rough run of it and i think it can be salvaged by a great championship game like i i don't think we have to worry about creating compelling matchups because you could have i mean we could have a blowout monday night does it mean it wasn't a good matchup or it was the wrong two teams. No, it just meant was a game that got sideways. Like that's all I think we should take out of it.
1: I I ask because I don't know why we should, expect a sport like college football in a high-stakes environment with everything that we know from like the crazy, even now with like the craziest season possible, how do you think that expanding the playoff, which Nick Saban was asked about this earlier today on Monday, do you think expanding the playoff will lead to less blowouts? And um, his response was a little bit of, you know, well, if these were the four best teams, I, I don't know why you think having more teams that are ranked behind them would lead to less lopsided matchups. You know, I think that... There shouldn't be this, this drive as though the health of college football requires close games in the college football playoff semifinals. I don't think those two things are necessarily tied together unless you're trying to all the way advance this to, you know, we would like to script the exact results that would lead to the best advertising dollars, which sounds a lot like CFP Anon, but, you know, really is, is something that from a point of analysis of competition, it's not something that I think we should really be concerned with. Am I it's off on
3: that?
0: It will I- lead to fewer blowouts, though. Like, just if you think about it, I think it will. I think Especially if you, go to, 12, if you yeah. go to the 12 team format, what's going to happen, like the four, top four get the bye. Right. And then you've got five through 12 playing in the first round. So those are four games. Those four games are less likely to be blowouts because, as we've seen, there's plenty of evidence that shows there are two elite teams in the country on a given year. Sometimes there are three. That's why we have so many blowouts in the four team system, because there just aren't a good third and fourth team. So those teams between 5 and 12 are all going to be pretty similar, which are going to lead to four pretty even games. And then those four teams are going to move on, and at least three of them are going to get the he- ever-living hell beat out of them in the next round, and then the two best teams will end up in the championship game anyway.
2: Maybe, but do you think Ohio State full strength, like after what we saw without four of their starters against Utah, do you think they get torched by worse than Michigan? No,
0: but they also lost to Michigan at full strength by 15 points. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, it would it's not a blowout, That's to your point there, but I do think that, you know, that's, I don't know, if, if Ohio State and Michigan rematch in the playoff, I would bet it goes the other way, just because I typically, that's how I go with rematches, but I, I oh, think that- A little early lane, early <laughs> yeah, lane. I'm just saying, but no, I like I said, I think the very first four games in the first round of a 12-team playoff would probably be fun and be entertaining. The second round would be blowout city, and then the title game, you'd hope, in the semis and then you'd hope the title game would be good the the reason I mean, why I think two, the second round
2: like i don't i don't know i don't think it matters i think it i think it matters expansion but like, so that we feel like more teams have a chance and more yeah. fan bases feel like they have hope but in the big picture it's probably gonna not gonna really change that much of the giving new hope to Kansas State, or you know, like it's it'll give added hope to Ohio State, it'll give added hope to Clemson, it'll give added hope to teams that maybe they're a little bit down that year, but they can still get in. Like maybe that's what it does. And then there'll be a Cinderella story, like a, a Cincinnati. Maybe they can win one of the games, but probably doesn't change much as far as the ac- actual outcome of the champion. I don't think, but I do think it makes like the games on Saturday which were premier bowl games, which probably would be a part of the top 12. I mean, they were already entertaining. They just feel more entertaining, and maybe they have their best players there, which I think is in doubt if they do play an expanded playoff. But those games feel bigger and feel better because they're
3: meaningful and not an exhibition. Does that make sense? It does, Danny. Let me ask you this. None of us thinks that a player will never opt out of the playoff. Somebody will opt out of the playoff at some Mm -hmm. point. Maybe they'll do it if you're faking an injury. Like That's going to happen. Can we all agree, just common sense-wise, that, that we will have fewer opt-outs of playoff games than we will for bowl games? Yeah. Because the importance it of it, be. and because teams all, are always going to believe that they have a shot. Even if us talking heads say they really don't, they're the nine seed for a reason, they don't really have a shot to win this. The players on those teams, they don't believe that. They, they, they work their butts off all offseason, all during the season to get to that, that you know, place to have that, ch- that shot. We will have fewer opt-outs on a percentage basis of playoff games than we will of, of, you know, BCS bowl games, period. Yeah. Like we're going to have more marquee players playing in the playoff games. If you expand it, I and think then, it's kind of a, you know, kind of a, a straw man argument to be like, Oh, watch when guys opt out of playoff games. Yeah. It's going to happen. It's probably going to happen in a 14 playoff, by the way.
0: And then somebody but will tell you their ACL in a quarterfinal and we'll call them idiots for saying they're playing in the game. Cause that game wouldn't matter. Cause they didn't have a chance to win the national title anyway. Exactly. So let's <laughs> just get ahead of it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Because all of it—that's the thing I find is hilarious—in this arbitrary line that's been drawn, like business decision, it's okay to play for a playoff spot, but not okay to play in the Rose Bowl or any bowl for that matter. But like, either way, you're walking away with zero. Like, yeah, you can have a ring that's worth something, and I like—I'm putting it in a business, like because that's what we've done—is we've we've proclaimed it a business decision. It's bad business any way you look at it it's just what it is. I do think there's another aspect that's get under, under discussed and I'm sure you guys noticed this too. It's not only opt outs people opting out for the NFL draft. I thought the numbers of transfer portal opt outs mm-hmm. have increased maybe just as much if not more where players get done and as soon as the regular season is done, they're saying peace, you know, I'm on to my next school. Maybe it keeps them around but they're not guys that are really starting anyway, so does it matter,
1: I guess. Do I I don't think opt-outs in the current bowl season change the interest in a bowl game. I think that no. most of the interest of in a bowl game is the fact that it is a bowl game, that it's two teams in college football. You always said, like, we won't watch bad basketball, but we'll watch football at any level that played. And if you put it on television, it can be in the background and it can be something that you watch. I understand that uh, like there were so many opt-outs on Ohio State's side and it was still the best bowl game. Tom, is that going to be the – is it currently number one on the uh, – I can't board, spoil Hot that. 100? I can't okay. spoil
0: that. You'll
2: find that well out. Music were, City Bowl, which had David Bell and uh, Carl mm-hmm, Office right. both yes. went there. And that game was Perfect. sensational. Yeah. Guys,
1: that's what we want from bowl season is we just – it is a bowl game. Like It's not as though singularly players opting out are crushing these bowl games and how they're being received by most of – the public who comes in with zero expectation or even name recognition of a lot of these guys.
3: The other thing is, I'm, I'm looking, maybe some of the audience knows this. Do you guys know where we can get transcripts of cable television shows? Because I want to run a control, I want to run a control F on who's in and word playoff during all these bowl games and all these, all these <laughs> other games down the stretch, right? And, and just kind of run a general word find because, you know, ESPN talking heads are on TV complaining about how these players devalue the bowls now. Well guess what? Your entire slogan is who's in. And that is an exclusionary <laughs> slogan. If you're not in, then what are you? Out, right? Mm-hmm. So you are devaluing the bowls because every single commercial and every little break and you are debating who should make the playoff literally during Harvard Yale and and during all these bowl <laughs> ga- all these te- these games that doesn't do with the playoff. It there now it's not realistic to expect for ESPN to go back on that. They're going to keep hammering the playoff because that's what they invest all their money in. They're going to keep emphasizing it to the basically to the degradation of the Bulls. If you expand it, they're going to be emphasizing more games.
0: And you know what else has kind of hurt the Bulls? And Danny, you're going to love to hear this. Let's be honest. I I don't think there are too many of them. But the fact that there are so many of them has hurt the value of the Bulls, too. If there were fewer Bulls, it would be a bigger deal to be in one and less players would be opting out it. Also, I want more bowls.
2: All right, <laughs> uh, two things I've figured out because I've tried to figure out like what what are these? And I swear, and I like I like people think I made this up. I was watching on Saturday. My oldest daughter, like my daughters, know like they watch college football all the time. And so we're they're asking me like, hey, what game is this? What games are on? So Friday night they're like, this is the playoff. I'm like, oh, this, this is when the champs are determined. I'm like, yes, this is the playoff. And Saturday I'm watching football and they're like, wait. What weren't the championships last night? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, well, what are these? I'm like, oh, well, these are bowl games. Well, why are they still playing? If you know, why are they are they playing for the championship too? And I'm like, no. And like, it's literally the only sport in the world that you have to do this, except for soccer. These are friendlies, Tom. You tell me, Mm -hmm. are we watching friendlies? Yes. Essentially, what we're watching, Danny football in
0: the house. Yes. (laughs) And you know what? You know what you tell your daughters when they ask why the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl are being played the day after the playoff? Because ESPN doesn't own them. And ESPN has to broadcast them when those games want to play. Whereas ESPN owns all the other bowls and gets to decide when they're played.
2: And then I don't know if you guys noticed this because it could not have been worse timing. Cause I, you know, I was watching the um, I think it was the Lending Tree Bowl, whatever bowl was a really, really crappy game. Oh, it was the pinstripe bowl. Pinch drive throw was awful. Maryland torch Virginia tech. And that's when I was like, uh, games are horrible. Too (laughs) many, you know, it's no debate now. 42 is too many hit send. And then the next two games are awesome. And pretty much from then on, but if you noticed, it's probably, it started getting a lot more interesting around when we were 20 balls in like that. And I do think the effort level from both sides increased and whether there was full participation or not, I do think there was more care, more want to, more preparation, more pride because, oh, we are playing on New Year's Day or we are playing on, you know, closer to the championships. And we are getting a better window when it's not, you know, buried at December 21st at 11 a.m. on a weekday. Like you get better time slots. So, like, I do think, I mean, trust me, I love more like as let's give everybody a bowl game. And let's just call it an extra game. Like, and have it matter. Like, we will just get an extra game. Like, I love football, so let's get an extra game. I just, the whole thing, the way I was, grew up in the game was bowls were supposed to be a reward, and we're rewarding mediocrity. And that's what we're getting, is mediocrity in a lot of these games.
1: I do think that coaching carousel, assistant coaching carousel, which happens after the coaching carousel, the relationships that are lost, you know, assistant coaching carousel to transfer portal. There's something about the calendar and the way that all those things impact each other that I think also
0: play a role in this. But so do you think like the early signing day has had a huge impact on this as well? I would not say huge
1: impact, but I would say impacts maybe huge. I would trust bud to take it to huge, but I was going to just give you impact.
3: I think the early signing day has, has had a large, a large portion to do with when guys jump in the transfer portal. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't think, I don't think we'd have nearly as many guys jumping in the portal in, you know, before the bowl game, right? Except for right. your January enrollees, who obviously would would, okay. would do so. Um, I, I think they will push the, the signing period back. By the way, I, I think it has had a lot of. of I kind of hope they do. Yeah, um, it, like okay. Selfishly, as somebody who makes their money in college ball media, it as would many be much,
1: signing days as possible. <laughs> well,
3: yeah, it'd be much better if we could have a standalone event as opposed to having all of our stuff going on at one time. You know, we also don't know what's going to happen. Like, what will our normalcy look like? when we get all these COVID or super seniors rather out, because right now that is creating such a roster crunch and you have all these high school seniors out there with nowhere to go. And it's just, it's a lot of craziness because you have so much extra eligibility. We still have two more years of this guys. So, you know, that's just going to be kind of one of those things.
1: I kind of hope they don't expand the playoff until 26 or whatever the, like the later possible date is, because you say two more years, like let's, let's get all of our rosters all evened out. Let's get conference realignment done. Let's, Let's get let's let's get the things the waters calmed before we. Uh, oh, it's we three more years. New, year. new,
3: years. new Cause more cause years If you played students. in twenty twenty, mm-hmm. you could be a COVID senior this year. Yeah, 21, 22, 23, three, twenty four. Twenty four would be the last year with any extra eligibility because you had to be on a roster in twenty.
1: Mm. Okay, so uh, there 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 was. Uh, two winners in the college football playoff semifinals, and they are going to be playing for the national championship. It is a rematch. Um, We have a preview show that will be uh, also a locks show as we give our, our against the spread picks. You know, I hope that player props are out by Thursday, but if not, we might, uh, we might cobble something together before uh, before Monday night's show to try and give you player props as well. But Thursday, in our normal locks situation on the calendar, 11 a.m., we'll be live, youtube.com slash cover3, uh, with a college football playoff national championship preview show for Alabama and Georgia. But um, a- as we sit here on Monday, like I mentioned, both Nick Saban and Kirby Smart, the first round of media availability was uh, earlier today. Thoughts on the matchup? That 2.5 has been pushed up to 3.0. Georgia money coming in. Um, I saw that has, has been one storyline to track or over under, maybe down about a half a point. So not major movement either way, but betting aside, you know, as you're thinking about this matchup right now, um, what, what's really standing out?
2: John Mechie out. Still? Like that to me is like, how much does that impact Bama's passing game? Cause we still don't know. Cause they were able to cram it down. Cincinnati's throat and then for me the obvious storylines around you know Kirby Nick the the curse you know can they beat him can they topple him um I think this is all about Georgia's defense because I I, Stetson Bennett has proven time and time again he can do what it takes to win I mean he had a lead in the SEC championship game it's Georgia's defense against Bryce Young and Bill O'Brien and that Alabama offense like that to me
3: determines the outcome I don't think Stetson Bennett has proven he can do what it takes to win if he needs to be the guy winning in the game. He can do what it takes to win if that involves Georgia's defense playing like one of the best defenses we've seen in a long time. You know what I mean? Like in a shootout, yeah, you don't want him in a shootout. I don't trust yeah. Stetson Bennett at all. If he has to drop back without like a lot of play-action threat, if it's a game where, where Georgia has to score in the high 30s, I don't like their chances. My, my then thing their is, defense isn't that good. Right. That's what I'm saying. Georgia's you know, secondary is— So then that falls to me back like—
2: this team's identity is very clear. Yes. It's great defense and you know pretty good offense with a game manager. And that's how Nick Saban won a lot of championships that way. And that's what Kirby Smart has brought there. Now you just like, does that formula work, I guess, is what I'm saying against Alabama. And that remains to be seen. It didn't in the SEC championship game. But I do think the loss of Mechie, who did have, he had 100 yards in that game, didn't he? The SEC championship game. Like he was a big impact performer in that one. So now, to me, again, I don't think this, like, yeah, if Stetson Bennett has a couple pick sixes, you know, or a couple rough interceptions, it could fall him on him, I guess. But if you're in a shootout with Bama, that means your defense has failed, and that was your winning formula that just failed. So that, to me, is kind of the storyline that we look at in this game.
0: I do think there's also something of a, mental block with georgia when it comes to looking across the sideline and seeing alabama because when you look at it, every single one of their games this year even against clemson in the season opener that was a team that went on the field thinking it could kick your ass when it went on the field against alabama in the sec championship game i'm not saying it looks scared but it did not look like it had that same kind of vibe in it that it did in every single other game and then magically they come to the playoffs semifinal against michigan the big 10 champion and they look exactly like that again. So I just feel like there's kind of a shadow that hangs over Georgia mentally when it comes to playing Alabama, and it'll be interesting to see if they could overcome that.
3: Did you hear what Kirby Smart said in the, in the pregame interview before no. the semifinal? He's like, I, I just want us to cut loose and go go play with, with our hair on fire. Like, he doesn't want them to be tight. You do wonder, are they tight against Alabama?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I know that's a very soft factor, but I, I think there may be a point there. Like, they may... There may be something in their heads. We'll see if they can get get past that. I think I'm the, also, sorry, uh, go ahead, Tom. I
0: was just going to say, I think th- because of that, I think like the first quarter of that game is going to be huge. Like if Alabama gets ahead quick, it could just completely steamroll. But yeah, they we-
2: would like Georgia was ahead quick in the SEC championship game. So you would mm-hmm. think that would loosen them up, but it doesn't. So I, you know, have a little bit of experience in this because I was at Florida State, like on my high school recruiting trip, I was in Tallahassee, saw wide right one. My fresh against Miami, my freshman year I held wide right too. you know, like, and there was this narrative. can they get past these big games? Can you get Bobby Bowden his first national championship? You know, can a kicker make a field goal in a crutch clutch situation? And there is, like the question gets asked, it does become a mental aspect and a mental hurdle that you do have to get over. And I do think it makes you play timid and it makes you play tentative and maybe even makes you make coaching decisions to try to force an issue. Maybe you try to force something like a trick play. Let's loosen Mm -hmm. them up with a trick play. Like you do things that maybe aren't in your character because you're trying to break that mold and break out of that mental mindset. But really the only thing you can do is just topple that giant. And that's, what's kind of scary. If they do, like, watch out, because then Georgia's – that could be their, like, just unleashes them for the next several years. And, you know, I don't
3: think Bama's going away, but they get past that hurdle, and it's like, look out. The, the other thing I'm watching for in this game is that tweet deck column. Nick Saban said, we'll see if those guys practice, referring to Emilia Kior and Chris Owens. Bama's offensive line depth is not good this year. There are some guys on, on that line who – I'm not going to say they'll never be good players, but right now they just can't play for you on a national title team. And if they have to go into the game, I don't think they can beat Georgia with like, if, if Echior and Owens don't play, I already have Georgia 10 to one in the national title. I'll be betting more on Georgia. Like, I don't really want to bet Georgia right now. My power ratings say Georgia matchup wise. I don't know. Like Bama does seem uniquely positioned with Bryce to take advantage of the secondary again. Uh, but, I think those offensive line injuries are absolutely huge. Georgia has the nastiest front seven in the sport. You handled him last time, and part of that was Bryce, just avoiding pressure and being great, because Georgia got a lot of pressure on that dude. He just sidestepped it, spun out of it, made great throws. Like, Let's not overlook how well he played in that game in order, in order to you know put up four, a 40 spot. But if you have two more guys out there, that's really problematic. We have...
1: um Mostly, it's a, it's a little bit more 50-50 on the split we had a run of awesome national championship games uh, Alabama Clemson the first one 45-40 to the Tide then Clemson over Alabama 35-31 the next year uh the Tua to Devonta 26 to 23 but since then 44-16 to Clemson 42-25 to LSU 52-24 to Alabama we have had, by a narrow margin, more blowouts in national championship, or at least large, decided spreads. I wouldn't say that. Um, wouldn't say that all of those large scores were blowouts. But Ohio State over Oregon uh, certainly felt lopsided as well. So we will see uh, if this college football playoff national championship game follows the thread of the semifinals and it's lopsided, or whether we will get ourselves one instant classic from this SEC championship game rematch. Coming up on the other side, we've got one bowl game remaining, and it's got some crazy circumstances. We will get into that and preview the actual game itself next.
3: This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in zero sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild.
0: Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus.
1: I'm in a period of emotional people.
0: I tell all the oh, I don't care crap.
1: Tuesday night in NRG Stadium. It will be LSU and Kansas State in the Tax Act Texas Bowl. Kansas State favored by seven over under of 47 and a half. And the situation on the personnel side for LSU is um, unique. It is unique in that it is going into the bowl game with nothing but walk-on quarterbacks and a wildcat quarterback option as it appears as though uh, waiver was not awarded to Grant Nussmeier. Therefore, he will not be playing in the game. So Garrett Nussmeier, excuse me, so that he is able to preserve his red shirt. Miles Brennan um, has returned to the team but isn't playing in the bowl. Max Johnson has transferred to Texas AM back in December. Additionally, we're talking about an LSU team that is very, very limited in the back seven of its defense and down a couple of running backs as well as wide receivers and offensive linemen. The total number, according to The Athletic, is 39 scholarship players available for LSU going into this game against Kansas State, which, by the way... Is expected to have Skyler Thompson back into the lineup. The uh, starting quarterback who went seven and three before injuries got him a little bit banged up in this game. This is um this is unique. This is our, our last uh our last bowl game before the national championship. And I am I'm honestly impressed. As we sit here Monday afternoon, I think offensive line coach Brad Davis, who's serving as LSU's interim, I think they probably could have maybe backed out of this game, if we were using the 2020 COVID rules based on personnel, remember you had to have uh, all cert- meet certain thresholds. I believe that according to some conferences, 2020 COVID rules, this might've been a game that would have got triggered a postponement or a decision on the game uh, based on the players that are available. I'm, I'm very impressed that Brad Davis has this group in this contest. And as we are recording here on, uh, on Monday afternoon, ready to go on, on Tuesday night against Kansas State.
0: Yeah, I'm legit surprised the game had been canceled by now, honestly. <laughs> like, I, I, mean, I figured,
3: yeah. A&M canceled for probably a similar amount of guys mm-hmm. being available.
2: They There were 33, I think, or 38. They, they were really said. Yeah. Um, that was eight days ahead of the game that they knew those. Like, if there were COVID issues, you probably could have you know gotten healthier, at least gotten some of those guys back. The appetite to go to Jacksonville clearly, I don't think was there.
3: So yeah, uh, Zim, why is Miles Brennan not playing? Do we know? He jumped into the portal and then he came back, but I don't. I don't didn't he get hurt at some point, Danny? I think. I, don't, that's I mean, he injury. was like recently. I'm trying to remember because he like he didn't really play this year. It was Nussmeyer and and, and Johnson. Right. He has. I don't think he played at all. But I thought he was well, healthy then- enough to play. Maybe he's not. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. I, I just I know it was very clear that he was not going to play. Um, this game opened yeah. pick, by the way. Yeah. Or LSU won, mm-hmm.
0: and uh, just this afternoon it went from four and a half to seven most places. Th-
3: I mean, wow. I know this is not a lock pod but this information's been out there for quite a while. I don't know. Like, I feel like this is sort of the public jumping on stuff that most people have already gotten, or a lot of people have already gotten down on. Like, what?
0: What information came out today that says this should be seven as opposed to, like, five? I just think that once it became official, like, for okay. a lot of people, like, it's – because that's the thing. Like, you've known for a while that LSU was going to be without people, but then when you see exactly 39. how many – Yeah, that's when, be- when people see that number, it's like, oh, wow, I got a bet on Kansas State really fast. Two scholarship corners. Um, oh, so yeah.
1: no, I mean, no Derek Singley, no Eli Ricks. Like, it, the, the depth on the back end of that um, – The back end of that LSU defense is is very, very thin.
0: I mean, you're basically playing LSU's 2021 recruiting class in this game. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's right.
1: So uh, what can you tell us about Tavion Falk and Matt Dowd, the walk-on quarterbacks who are available, and wide receiver John Trey Kirkland, who um, was, I guess is going to get in there and run some Wildcat stuff.
3: Uh, John Kirkland is really quick actually. And he did play some quarterback in high school, by the way. So um, like they're not just taking a guy. We, we actually listed him as a dual threat quarterback. uh, Like because some other sites did now 24 seven, we had him as an, as an athlete. Cause that's what we knew LSU intended him to, or to play him as, but he can throw the ball a little bit, really, really skinny kid sub six foot, but he, he can get around and move. I mean, it, That'd probably be the option I would go with here, because I, I doubt the walk-ons have that much chemistry with their receivers.
0: I can tell you the well, one thing I can tell you about Tavion Falk is not to mess with his dad on the field after a seven overtime game.
1: <laughs> X <laughs> He's got hands that you might not be ready for.
0: Shouts to Jimbo's nephew. Yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. Um, I still a good opportunity for Kansas State though. Like if if we were to reap, I know understand like thirty nine scholarship players might. Make you feel some kind of way about uh, beating LSU. But I would still think that if you're Chris Kleiman, if you are getting Skylar Thompson back and you are saying things like he's, you know, as healthy as he's been in a long time, ball's coming out looking good, he's running well. We're really excited to get him back in the lineup. I, I think that Kansas State's not going to have any apologies. If they get the chance no. to run this up, then they will very gladly get an impressive bowl win against LSU if possible. Yeah. Because like- what number? At
2: what number? Now, maybe we never would have said this about South Carolina, but South Carolina was starting to get up there 12, 12 and a half against North Carolina, and we're thinking a lot of the same thoughts. Now, we didn't know the scholarship numbers and that, but is there any point where it becomes like, why not LSU? Like, they See, do have young talent,
3: just hasn't played.
1: I thought Bud was about to say that just a second ago. And that seven Me too, that's why I was asking. Yeah, like, I was, it I'm, I'm, thinking,
3: I'm thinking about it. I just – I already have a very large position on Kansas State pick, and I just – I don't want to bet against myself. I'm, I want to watch like a series or two and I'll, I'll get down some stuff live potentially. Like I just maybe I mean, if, 10, I would have to yeah. do it. If it's about gets to 10 before kick, I'll be on LSU. Yeah. <laughs> just cause Kansas state's not a team that, that like, they're not a team I like to back as a favorite traditionally. Kind of mm-hmm. like, sure. like, you know, favorite too. right. Mm-hmm. Or an odd yeah. doozy or yeah.
1: No, I, I I could see that as well, but um, you know, the, the opportunity to potentially win eight games, and, and what it could mean. I mean, Chris Kleinman was on the like a very, very inside Kansas State, but he went on the hot seat, but they were like, what's this, this guy's deal? Lost like four conference games in a row, and really he just had all the toughest Big 12 games on the front of the schedule, came out of that, ended up finishing the season strong, and so certainly a win against LSU. I think for, for him and the relationship with, uh, relationship with the fan base could probably go a long way in terms of like stakes and what it could mean. So, uh, there were, we said, awesome games from the rest of the New Year Six. Uh, there was just an absolutely epic addition of the Rose Bowl. There was a, a very low-scoring but kind of monumental win for Baylor against Ole Miss in the Sugar Bowl. Matt Corral, of course, going down with an injury, playing a huge role in that. Uh, before we get out of here, just... Highlights in general from those uh from the non playoff. Oh, the Marcus Freeman era starts with fireworks and then has a a, a massive collapse. All right, I'll say that's my my biggest highlight because and a low light for a Notre Dame fan, a highlight for an Oklahoma State fan. Mike Gundy said it was the biggest win in program history. It was the biggest comeback in but it was a
0: meaningless bowl game.
1: There was a lot of meaning. I'm I'm done with meaningless bowl (laughs) games because so it's got meaning to somebody and it's got meaning to enough people that it is not less of meaning. I'm not saying meaningless bowl game. I'm throwing it out from the vocabulary, but I, I think that that Fiesta bowl, um, which ran about four hours and 15 minutes, not that I was live blogging it or anything. (laughs) um, (laughs) I think that that was, uh, that was some of the best stuff that you could ask for. And again, we did continue to see it in each of the following windows with the Rose bowl and the sugar bowl. But when, when two, uh, elite team show up even for a friendly and, and they're uniquely motivated. You get these wild swings in a game. Uh, credit to Spencer Sanders, played the best game of his college career, undoubtedly. And uh, for Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame, boy, that was a roller coaster ride. So uh, good luck p- picking up the pieces from that one emotionally. Uh, it'll, we'll, we'll get back at it at the beginning of 2022. So, Fiesta Bowl, big highlight for me.
3: I,
0: it was a good I couldn't day for the big Yeah. I mean Oklahoma State, Kate, the comeback against Notre Dame, and then Baylor beats Ole Miss in the Sugar Bowl to finish the day. Good day for the Big Twelve.
3: How about Kirk Ferentz yeah. punting?
2: <laughs> in the most Kirk Ferentz move ever, though, right? My God. I mean, that's,
0: yeah. I just I loved Iowa's two-minute drill at the end of that game. Three-yard crossing, three crossing route to the running back. Three-yard crossing route to the running back. Three-yard crossing route to the running back. It's like what are you interception? Just,
3: but, you are you're the ball down the field. You're averaging 9.1 yards of play in the second half. thought <laughs> Kentucky,
1: Kentucky was a good game. Yes, it, it was. was. Yeah. Kentucky it was has a bunch game. of guys
3: out on the defensive line. You have a good offensive line. You can't, you're not going to try and get a yard. And the other thing is with how much time was left, this is where it's a really bad call, right? If you go for it and don't get it, Kentucky has three minutes to drive down there and score and you still have timeouts, which means you're going to have time to actually run a normal offense back down the field. Instead, they traded the opportunity to answer a score with time for 30 yard. No, it was like 38 yards of field position, which is largely meaningless when you're trying to defend the end zone anyway. Because it's not like you're going to be playing a bunch of press and and you know, like it's not you're trying to guard against a field goal. Kentucky has to go score a touchdown. To me, that was the really bad part of it because in doing so, now they actually had a little more time than I thought they would, because Kentucky scored very quickly. Uh, like 90 seconds, but that was just a terrible decision. I don't get that.
0: And in a I, bowl game, I will say I didn't agree with it, but I don't think that was the worst decision. I understand what Ferentz was thinking in that situation because he's like, This is my entire team is built on defense and special teams, right? I'm going to punt this ball, bury Kentucky inside its 20 with Will Levis at quarterback and be like, All right, Will Levis, drive the length of the field on me and score a touchdown to beat me. And he did. I think the biggest problem was the play to Wandale Robinson where they hit him for the big play and he makes the catch, goes down the sideline and gets him into the red zone. That was the second play in a row or the second play in a row that Kentucky ran the same play. It was there on the first play, except Levis overthrew the receiver and Iowa was dropping into the same coverage on every single snap. So Kentucky just kept calling the same play and that receiver was open on every single one of them. And the one time Levis hit it, Wandale Robinson made a huge play.
1: Wandale Robinson, I think, might have had 15 targets in that game. I know he finished with 10 catches and 170 yards, but like that, that's the, if you, if this is the vaunted Iowa secondary, uh, you, you share some responsibility for that as well. You get, you got to step up for performance. What about other, uh, guess. <laughs> what about other best, uh, New Year's Day highlights or, uh, or best moments out highlights? there?
2: Uh, our, our buddy uh, and every Notre Dame fan, but our buddy Brady Quinn, like they were all in a lot of like (laughs) former Notre Dame guys were trying to dunk on Brian Kelly. Like, Ooh, the offense is unleashed now. And now maybe, maybe it's a good thing. And then the second half happened and they got awful quiet pretty quick. So that was, (laughs) that was entertaining to watch that unfold. That meltdown, not from a a hate Notre Dame or anything. It was just funny because some of the people were out there chirping a little bit too soon. Don't ever don't. You can't chirp before the game's over. If you've ever learned anything, like you can't talk trash until the clock hits zero or else you're going to get all of it back in your face. All the games were awesome. Uh, They were thoroughly entertained. The Rose Bowl was sensational. Maybe the one of the more entertaining ones we've seen. I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigbo was awesome. CJ Stroud like that. Those two guys competing on the same team for a Heisman next year is going to be out of of control. Uh, Shout out to Utah for the performance they put up because that was awesome. Um, back and forth, a touchdown yeah. drive, yeah. <laughs> but I'll say this like, the I mean, Captain Obvious here, the worst moment of the day was when Twitter had a meltdown over a sprained ankle, and it was like, uh oh, <laughs> here we go. Like, the Matt Corral injury, and then it was like the game just took secondary, mm-hmm. you know, took a back seat to the this is why he should have opted out. This is, you know, like that whole thing just everyone wants to use that see this is why i shouldn't play like was enough to drive me insane and i w- almost went batty watching it, that unfold
3: the thing there was w- it, it it was so like timely with herb street's comments that morning and you know yes. cut c- with yeah. her perfect storm. storm because obviously like he's calling the orange bowl and he's taking an overnight flight to do like why do we need college game day live from the rose bowl it's just i it's have soul. no we idea have, i mean I guess it's sold to so have to do it. I thought about that. Like, um, this,
1: there is no way that, that there are more than three and a half hours of sleep.
3: Yeah, no Ryan. way. He, he's he's just talking tired there for sure. Um, you know, and I'm sure he's talking to his Ohio State people who are like, I don't know if our guys would care about this game. I didn't learn a damn thing from that game, but it was so entertaining. Like, mm-hmm. Ohio State had a ton of guys out on defense. Utah had a running back playing corner, and I texted our 24 seconds
0: out in the game as well. <laughs>
3: yes, he was playing both ways. I texted our, our guys in our recruiting group chat. I was like, "Do you ever remember this kid playing DB in high school?" And they're like, "Not really." He was pretty much always a running back. And I was like, "Okay, so like this is going to be really interesting cuz I'm like, pretty sure in or Marvin Harrison Jr or Egbuka will absolutely cook him." And they did. Like he the guy was trying, but that's who they went after quite a bit and I mean, he's very athletic. That that was so much fun.
0: Going going back to the Sugar Bowl point, though, Danny, because like a lot of the uh, the discourse on Twitter was about, obviously, the injury and, oh, my God, see, he's an idiot for playing or blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. But I also think, too, and this was a point that our uh, colleague at CBS, Shahan Jaraja, Jer- put up on Twitter, you could kind of tell going into the game that the broadcast was focused on Matt Corral. Like They had a whole thing planned. They were going to be talking about Matt Corral, Matt Corral, Matt Corral. And then Matt Corral gets hurt in the first quarter. And it's like, they're like, oh, God, what do we talk about now for the next three hours? So that then that became on the game itself, which, granted, a lot of that game wasn't really worth talking about. But the, the whole broadcast came about Corral, even after he got hurt, which then I think led to social media responding to it. It was just it was a poop show the entire way. Yeah, they they didn't seem to have a great backup plan to to talk about Baylor. And obviously, like the,
3: if Corral's healthy, that's the correct move. That's going to get you the ratings and talk about the, the superstar in the game. It's why you don't want the superstar to to opt out of the game. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was that was really he, he had a good point about that. Um did you see uh so Herb Street, did you see the follow-up, like the
2: cleanup? Cause Reese came with him a follow-up, because I really think the thing that destroyed Herbie was he said, today's player doesn't maybe doesn't like football. I think that was the... And it was a very... He lumped every player into this mm-hmm. category. And I don't think Kirby meant to. And then Reese followed up with him and kind of challenged him, said, well, you don't really mean that. He said... And what he did clarify, and I'll say this, he's 100% right on this, the amount of players who are playing football for what it gets, like what they get in return, is absolutely increased and slowly and steadily over the last 20 years. Like in... And he did say he's like the coaches I talk to, so I do guarantee you it's Ohio State coaches. And he gets the best games with the top tier talent, with guys who can opt out. And I'm and behind the coaches could never criticize it, but you know who they can criticize it too? Kirk Herbstreet, because they can mm-hmm. say it off the record. And then you know Herbie, Herbie takes that message to the fans, and Herb Street gets killed. This is how coaches think behind closed doors. You may not like it, but that's how a lot of them feel. And We've gone We've gone more and more like the NFL in everything we've done in college football. You know, the money's out of control. The coaches make all this money. The free agents, you know, being able to move, being able to make money off your of name, image, likeness. There was a massive difference when I went from playing in college to playing in the NFL. And it hit like it was so glaringly obvious that you went from. Playing because you love the game because most of the guys, 99%, just love the game of football. Like, let me just put the pads on one more time for my Florida State Seminoles, and let me give me one more chance at glory. And then you go to the NFL, and I will never forget. Like, it happens fast. You're like, the first loss I had on the New York Giants, like, after the game, if you lost a game in college, it was like a morgue, and it ruined your month, let alone your week, and it was just hard to come back from NFL locker room, you walk in, it's like, hey, uh, you know, where's my check? Okay, there's my, where are we going tonight? Like, it is, it's a business, and it becomes like your job. Like you punch in and you check in, and then you check, you punch in, and when you get in, you punch in, when you get out, and it's your job. And there's a different mindset, and I just think this is the other aspect that is creeping in, and it's growing. I think that number is growing of players who are seeing this as a means to an end, and it's okay. I'm not saying it's right or wrong we're just more people are comfortable with it. More people are pushing it and promoting it. And I do think we're going to get there. And I do think they should get some of the money, but until we do, there's this weird dynamic where all these people, because I do think the mackerel, the players should opt out of bowls. It's a business decision. If you dig deep, like those people just want the players to be paid, which is okay, but they're kind of using that just to show the exploitation in its greatest form. Like that's where they come up with this meaningless bowl game. Like, it's all about the money. Like, that's what it all is. And it always has been. And it's just becoming more and more evident, which is okay. But when you call it out like that, then, you know, people get really upset about it. But Herb Street is right. He just, he, and he clarified, he's like, I don't, of course, there are players that love the sport of football, but you're seeing a shift in mindset. And it's been a slow shift, but it's more evident than it's ever been.
0: And that's why we have to expand the playoff, to force guys to love football for an extra week.
1: <laughs> See, I, I challenge the coaches. If today's football player is different and has a different mindset, then let's allow these well-compensated coaches to go out there and be leaders of men. Go out there and challenge them to, to buy in, to b- have reasons other than money and other than the end result to be able to go out there. That's like that. If that's where it's drifting and it's harder to get them motivated, well, look. We have coaches, and one of their main tasks is motivation and getting everybody to buy in. So I I think that – I understand why coaches are complaining about it because the old ways don't work, but I I think that that is – that falls on their responsibility, not on college football as a sport to have to adjust to to make everything fit just right.
0: And I think think that's part of the reason why Saban is Nick Saban is because Alabama doesn't – El, El, Alabama's never going to shrug off a loss or not care. Some players on the team will, but there's just the kind of culture in place in that program where there's an expectation. But
2: I, I'll push back a little bit. Remember the Oklahoma Sugar Bowl when it wasn't for a title?
0: Mm-hmm. Like, and and remember game.
2: after the game, A.J. McCarron, wasn't <clears throat> when when he the quarterback who said guys didn't really care? Like It happens everywhere if that's your mindset. Alabama, yep. the mindset... That he works, that Saban works, is you come here, you win, you buy, and you're going to get to the NFL. You know, you're going to win a championship and you get to the NFL. Fortunately for Nick Saban, he's got so much talent on his team. Every game matters, and if you lose, like it, it doesn't matter. Like you're still going to be able to play for a playoff. That's why I do feel like Dabo this year at Clemson was a big challenge for him to prove we have good culture. Like we don't, we we're, we're going to play hard no matter what, and he did despite three losses. So like I do think, and I. When I sat down with Coach Bowden, last time I like, this is like three months before he passed away. We talked for an hour about football, and I asked him about the health of the sport and like, what do you think about players getting paid? And NIL was about to be passed and all these things. And he was like, I just don't – I think it's really hard to get players to buy into the concept of team now. And it is. There's a lot more distractions. There's a lot more just – with everything, it is harder than ever than it has been to get players to buy into the team. It's just – it is. Yeah, but to it's- Chip's point – you got to figure out whatever motivates them, and whatever tools you can do, and whatever buttons you can push to get them to buy in. Well, it's, what, not, what, just, what motivates it's the not just
0: college football, though. It's it's society in general where we are. One hundred percent. It's like you are your own brand now. Like you are. It's individuals. How can you sell yourself to the world more than it's probably ever been? Because of the way social media works and the fact that people are allowed to monetize social media, so. The younger generation is growing up in an era where they're being told that this is how they can, you know, be successful doing this kind of stuff and thinking about yourself and putting yourself first. And I know that sounds like older generations talking down to the younger generations, which is the way it's always been. But I'm not that old. I'm just saying that if you look at the situation of the world we're in, that's what older people are doing, too. Everybody's doing it. Kids, adults, coaches, you know, elders, everybody. So it's just kind of filtering down.
2: You know the thing and, is, a, big size, Can I make a quick point, Bob? Before yeah, yeah, you go, yeah. coaches a hundred percent have the same mindset. Mm-hmm. Like they're, it would have been like you ask a coach, an old school coach, um, like about what Brian Kelly did. I mean, I told you guys I went on Coach K's show for serious, and we talked. It was like the week Brian Kelly had left, and Coach K wouldn't criticize Brian Kelly, but he's like, "Well, I could never envision myself walking out of my team like that." That was like as harsh a criticism as you're gonna get from Coach K. But there are coaches, some that would look at that and be like, "I can't believe that." And there, it's happening. We see coaches leave all the time, and yet again, there's this. There, some are okay. Like Billy Napier stays for his Sun Belt Conference championship game, but then leaves before the bowl. You know, and I think Luke Fickle. I do think Luke Fickle probably had opportunities to leave, but he wanted to finish the season. And it's a playoff, so we get it first historically, but. No, I don't think any of us would have really crushed him had he left to take a USC or a LSU job. But, you know, he stayed and you see coaches around the country. They're making decisions based on their own personal best interest,
3: too. I mean, the sport has been trying like it's basically built on, you know, making a boatload of money over not paying the players. And eventually the money gets too big for the labor to not realize that it needs to be paid as well. Coaches are not coaching for the love of the game at this level. Right, they're they're not. They're coaching for the money. That's what, like we asked, like, hey, well, you got to find a way to motivate the players. What motivates the coaches? They're on contracts. They're trying to make money for their family. In football, a lot of your most valuable years are going to be in that sort of eighteen to twenty two range. By the time you're mid thirties, your earning days are kind of over for the for the player. So, I think it will just eventually the money got too big, and and athletes realized. Hey, this coach is making twelve million dollars. I'm making what a stipend of twelve hundred bucks a month. Get out of here. Mm. And also, coaches leave them all the time. Like, right. Lincoln Riley opted out of the bowl. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Brian, Brian Kelly Ke- yeah. opted out.
0: He, made <laughs> Brian a, he Kelly made might have been the first decision. person to opt out of the playoff. Like technically, no yeah. team was still alive for the playoff at the time.
3: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, you know, I also think we used to have bowl opt-outs in terms of effort. We used to talk about which of these teams don't care about bowls. And now I think we see that less because you see the guys who don't want to be there for literally the most part, just mm-hmm. right, just opt out. We used to see some of these teams that were favored big get absolutely crushed. And it was like, Oh, yeah, by the way, we didn't really care about the bowl. Practice was terrible. Some guys were late coming back from Christmas, blah, 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 blah. Uh, nowadays you don't see as much because like guys just have the ability to opt out if they want to, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Or ju- jump in the transfer portal and just say, I'm I'm not going to play. I'm in the transfer portal entertaining my future options. You don't even have to be an NFL draft uh, prospect to be able to get there. Somebody asked in the chat earlier, I, I the answer is yes. We are going to have our bowl season superlatives that will be coming up on Wednesday. So just like, I guess it would be almost like our December awards, but we're also going to include the uh, the New Year's Six games as well as the Texas Bowl if there is a, if, if the game of the year is the Texas bowl, I'll tell you what, for the game of the month or the best bowl game, at least we'll have it included. So yes, our bowl season superlatives, uh, our December awards, essentially our bowl season awards that will be coming up on Wednesday. Again, on Thursday, our national championship game preview, you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Pennelly. You can follow him at Danny Canell. You follow him at Bud Elliott three. You can follow me at chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen. Thank you very much. 게임